Hello, everyone, to episode four of the Power Chats podcast. My name is Christine Martindale, Corporate Communications Specialist, and your host of this podcast. Mitsubishi Power Americas has entered the podcast arena, and I'm so excited to be bringing you stimulating interviews, news, and on-the-go info that takes place right here on this platform. The Power Chats podcast has been created to spotlight Mitsubishi Power America's team members who share a passion for bringing the best customer service solutions to our internal and external customers. Let us welcome my guest for episode four, Todd Bresler, Chief of Staff and Head of Marketing for Mitsubishi Power Americas. Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for taking the time out today for being my guest on the podcast. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So first, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Well, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania called Waynesboro. Uh, it's nestled into the Appalachian Mountains in the Cumberland Valley. Uh, not too much happening there. You know, population 10,000, mostly uh, dairy cows and uh, cornfields, but it was a great place to uh, you know, grow up. I was active in uh, Boy Scouts, did a lot of hunting and fishing, uh, played some high school football with, you know, if you're from Pennsylvania, that's what you have to do. Uh, but it was a really um, just great hometown uh, family atmosphere to grow up in, you know, kind of a metropolitan service area of Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And those were the uh, professional teams that I grew up rooting for, um, mom and dad and a couple of younger sisters. Great. So how long have you been working for Mitsubishi Power? I've been with uh, Mitsubishi Power for about seven years now. Started off my career originally with Westinghouse as a gas turbine design engineer. I uh, spent a few years, years there, worked for uh, Caterpillar, division of uh, Caterpillar called Solar Turbines out in San Diego. Um, went back to grad school, did marketing for a long time, bunch of different consumer companies, and then came back to uh, Mitsubishi Power about seven years ago. Seven years. I know it's a long, it seems, probably seems like a long time, but not really. Well, it right? seems like yesterday. Um, I, I, I picked coming back to the industry, um, one, because I loved it and loved the technology and, and loved the people. And I thought, you know, it'll be good to be an industry that moves a little bit slower. Uh, because when I left the industry in the late 90s, it was before the uh, F-class gas turbine boom, right? So I missed out on the boom times the first time around. I thought, oh, it might be, you know, kind of a sleepy industry to go, uh, you know, hone my marketing skills and get back into B2B. And it has not been quiet. It has not been slow. <laughs> it has been as fast paced as you could uh, possibly expect. There's been nothing but changes in the industry. Uh, that's what keeps me excited about the business and about the company. There's always a challenge. There's always a solution that's required. And, um, you know, I'm just having a blast. I know. I've been here just just a couple months shy of a year already. Same. It's like, I feel like I just got here, but I've done so much, so it seems to go by very fast. Yeah, so. absolutely. A lot more fun that way. Absolutely. So, well, before we get into our conversation, I uh, wanted to ask you, uh, what do you do outside of work? What are your interests? Yeah, outside of work, um, play electric guitar. Not very well. Unfortunately, I don't have musical talent, I, I went to a you know, Catholic school for grade school, and I think it was around first grade when uh, one of the nuns said, you know, Todd, many of us have the gift of voice, uh, but for this Christmas pageant, you can just move your lips, right? So I realized early on there was no musical talent, but you can practice, right? 
and you can try really hard. Uh, so I like music, mostly 80s stuff. Um, still work out a good bit, right? Try and, uh, try and keep in shape. Trying to learn to golf. That one... That one's not going so well, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying, and I have lots of people around work that can give me water cooler advice on uh, on what I can do uh, to improve my golf game. You know, with my family, daughter's a senior in high school. Love to ride roller coasters, obviously here in Orlando. Love Universal Studios, Disney, all the theme parks. And uh, of course, around here, never mind a, a trip to the beach either. Right, right. No, it's it's great. Uh, my husband plays bass, late bass guitar. So I see the similarities there, and uh, loves music too. And I'm an '80s girl, so love the '80s. So my kind of thing. Um, but I wanted to give our listeners a little bit about what you do outside work. So thanks for sharing all of that. Sure. So as our chief of staff and head of marketing, I know you oversee many areas, including market intelligence and strategy and pricing marketing communications, corporate communications, government relations, and corporate responsibility, which includes diversity inclusion and environmental, social, and governance strategy and programs. It's a lot. Uh, Can you provide our listeners maybe about how these areas uh, can work together? Yeah, I think the first big area, and the reason probably for having all those teams together, is from the communication side. So that's what all of those groups um, share in common, internal communications and external communications. If you think of the difference in you know, external communications, it's just a different audience, right? So if I'm communicating to a senator or somebody from the House or a governor or something like that, it's really the same Mitsubishi Power America's thought leadership message on decarbonization. It's consistent with our mission statement, but that's a particular audience. If you think about it, we have different audiences with our customers and even within our customer set, you have different key decision makers. And so you'll alter your message a little bit just so that you can speak more relevantly uh, to each of those audience members. And then if you think of our you know, market intelligence strategy and pricing group, there you're talking about the real like experts, right? And there when you're talking about our customer group, those are people that are down in the nitty gritty. They're doing integrated uh, resource plans. They're modeling grids, they're modeling systems, they're trying to figure out the lowest cost solution to provide electricity. And so there you're generating an incredible amount of content, still trying to deliver it in an authentic way that has thought leadership, um, but you're really adjusting it to the audience. And, And I think that gets into kind of the second point of how those groups fit together. You have some folks that are generating content and you have some folks that are working on the message and, and how to amplify it. And then, of course, with internal communications, it's really the same message, but you're building brand ambassadors within the company. Uh, you're communicating our company values. You're trying to keep people informed. So I think communication is the one thing that really ties all those groups together. Oh, absolutely. And it's been just a, uh, just a great opportunity to be part of the internal communications team. And it's really, really loving this side. I've done it for many years, but I, I love it. And, you know, we had our marketing team meeting offsite just about a month or so ago, and it was really great meeting the different parts of your team. And I, I can see how we can all work together. Yeah, there's a lot of diversity on our team in terms of thought and execution. People have a lot of experience from uh, different companies that they've um, worked with. And uh, whenever you put those people together, I, I'm always encouraged when you put people together in a workshop uh, and you can tee it up with just some very simple questions. Hey, here's a problem to solve. And the solutions you get back are extremely holistic and always have the, uh, always have the customer in mind. 
Absolutely. You know, we talk a lot about thought leadership here. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that is uh, to our listeners? Yeah, really, it's getting out in front of your customers. It, it, it's kind of something that sounds way up in the atmosphere, like a fluffy cloud or something like that. But thought leadership is really explaining to your customers where is the market going. So when we talk about being a thought leader and decarbonization, it's really about, yeah, defining the problem. That's okay. But you have to be able to bring the solution for your customers. The biggest way we do that really is to talk to our early adopter customers. So in terms of decarbonization, there are some that are at the front of the pack, whether it was a state government that said they needed to decarbonize, maybe they mandated renewables, maybe they're just in a part of the country that is, um, you know, has better wind, better sun or something like that, and they've adopted renewables. So we try to understand where those early adopter customers are going and then try and explain to everybody else, you know, what the future is going to look like for them in, in 10 or 20 years. So really it is about having solutions for our customer, but it's done in a way that the customer says, that's the company I want to talk to first. When they have a question, when they have a problem, I want to go to Mitsubishi Power Americas first and try and understand this a little bit better. And of course, if you have that thought leadership positioning within the market, that opens up your opportunity to sell those solutions down the road. So there's a two-part step. You can't just do thought leadership without being able to sell. Our business is run by getting orders and revenue and turning that into profit. Um, but it, thought leadership is kind of the way you position yourself in the market. And then that opens up the sales opportunities that come later. Um, good explanation and all that, and I know we want to be we want to come be come to mind first, right? And like you mentioned, and I think that's great. Um, and I know a lot of people um, didn't know what, a, what thought leadership was, so thank you for the details about that. So switching gears just a little bit, last week you were in Utah as part of the five-year growth strategic planning with senior leadership. The first question I have for you is why Utah was chosen to be the location for the strategic planning sessions. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. You, know, you come up with two or three locations that make sense, and then you whittle them down. When we pick that location, you know, we're either looking for one of our existing facilities and one of our factories, or we're looking for a customer site. Um, if you think of user groups and other uh, meetings that we've had, you know, usually one of the highlights is making your way to a a customer power plant and understanding what it's really like uh, to live a day in the life of our customers. So for this one, we picked a customer site. And I mentioned just a few minutes ago about early adopters. And that is the earliest adopter that we can think of in terms of green hydrogen, in terms of production, storage, supply, and then a power plant that's going to use that green hydrogen with the uh, Intermountain Power Project renewed. And so back in 2019, you know, this idea of the Advanced Clean Energy Storage Project got off the ground, you know, big announcement, all thought leadership, you know, with the governor of Utah and how, um, you know, this, this salt dome was going to be used to create caverns that were going to store green hydrogen that were really going to, uh, you know, really act as a giant battery to be able to store renewable electricity as hydrogen and then be able to run it through a gas turbine and produce electricity for LA. So in the early days, that was just a, a crazy idea. Um, today, it's not crazy anymore. You know, I was there two years ago for site visits. I was there for the groundbreaking as, long, uh, as well as a lot of the other leadership team. And then it was great to get back just to see it under construction. So on one side of the road, 
Uh, you know, you can see the wellhead, you can see the salt caverns in place, um, the brine ponds where all the, uh, the solution mining, the water and salt goes after you've mined these caverns and then you go on the other side of the street and there's a coal plant that's being retired and uh, two uh, gas turbine combined cycle one-on-ones that are um, being installed. So it's a unique site. You can't find it anywhere else in the world. Um, this is the world's first utility scale green hydrogen project. We thought it was really important team for the really important for the leadership team to get out there and see it. it you can look at a graphic and you kind of say, okay, I get it, but the scale is immense. And until you really get to the site, you can see the railway cars, you can see the transmission lines, you can understand how it all fits together, you can understand you know, why the project is happening, where it's happening, and then you can start to kind of develop a vision for the future for what other projects um, might look like. So that was the real thing. We want to be inspired by our customers. It is a, it's a great project. There's been a tremendous amount of internal work and making that one happen. And you know, frankly, the eyes of the world are on that one because it's the first <laughs> and we have to pull it off and execute with excellence. So that's really why we picked that site as a location for our five-year growth strategy. What, what a great idea to have it there, uh, for yeah. sure. And I'm sure, like you said, you were back a couple of years ago for the groundbreaking and now a couple of years later and what a difference, right? Well, a couple of years ago, it was just the desert, you know, and, and I remember, you know, work boots and some blue jeans and walking through the desert going, yeah, there's a, a well here, there could be a cavern here and there could be a cavern over here. And there, there are a few caverns already that existed. Uh, Sawtooth Caverns is already an operation that uses caverns for storage. So you could see kind of what it would look like. Uh, but, but now you go there with all the people and all the vehicles and everything that's happening, you know, it's not just the quiet <laughs> desert anymore. Right, right, yeah. being very visual. So let's uh, go back a little bit to the uh, strategic planning. I know our growth strategy is revisited every year. Mm -hmm. uh, can you provide maybe our listeners with some insight into what the five-year growth strategic planning process consists of? Yeah, there's really three key pillars. One is the strategy itself. It's the setting of goals, which are your numbers that you're trying to hit. It's your objectives, which are you know the words that kind of match the goals. And then you have your strategy, right? Your strategy is your how. How am I gonna meet those goals, right? So that's one big pillar of the strategic planning process. The other one is your financials. And those two work together. So if I'm looking at my strategy and I wanna say, is it any good? Is it right? Well, that's kind of a big question. But the real way to answer it is, is my strategy sufficient to hit my financial objectives? So they, they work in concert, right? And as part of my financial plan, I also have to make sure I have the budget, right? To execute this strategy. So those, are, those two pillars fit really well together. But after you get done those two, they're still some more questions, right? We need the people to be able to do it. And so the people development process is always part of that. It, it follows closely along the same thing. It's refreshed every year, but that's really about, you know, our, our customers only see the execution. That's all, they don't see the strategy. They don't see our financials. What they experience is our people and they experience the way our people deliver on their projects. It's the way we build the equipment, the way we assemble gas turbines. It's the way we service a steam turbine during an outage. That's the only thing that our customers see. So that people development process is really the one that pulls it all together. 
and makes it possible to execute you know, all the planning that we do on the financial side or on the strategy side. That sounds like it was a two and a half days, right? Yeah, two and a half days. You know, it, it's really hard to get that number of people on the leadership team in one spot. I was just going to say. You, you don't have long. Um, and, you know, I think this year the, the team did an especially strong job of creating all the, the pre-read. Right, so everybody had a chance to understand what the different and business units were up to. Prepared, mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of discussion, you know, before you before we ever got there. Um, so people were pretty well prepared. It, it is a heavy um, couple of days. Uh, at the end, we always have a workshop, and uh, that that's my chance to take my to do list and <laughs> give it back to the team, give it back to the attendees, and say, okay, we've done our bottoms up strategy. You've heard from all the business units, and we've talked at a high level what we're looking at for the financial plan. We've talked people development, what we think the future looks like there. And now that now we have to do the tops down enterprise strategy over the next five years, because guess what? In a couple of weeks, it goes to our board of directors, right? And our board of directors are gonna look at that enterprise strategy and say, hey, does it fit with MHI strategy? Do we agree with the strategy? Do we think we're in the right place? So it's a lot of work, but we try and uh, compact it down, you know, as tight as we can to get the most out of everybody, everybody's time. Are there any updates that you can share that came out of the strategic planning? Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, involves things we've been working on and that have been evolving. And now we're, we're trying to figure out how do we get those more embedded in the strategy. So we've rolled out our corporate values. You know, they've been in place for over a year. I think uh, really everybody's doing a great job of incorporating those into meetings, into the way we talk, into our behaviors, the way we treat people. So I think the values will be more prominent in our growth strategy this year, especially as we think about executing with excellence and our people and the way we um, interact with customers. So I think there'll be more there. I would expect we're gonna see a lot more on the decarbonization side. You know, hydrogen and carbon capture were there before. I think we can expect to see even more of that in this year's strategy. If you think of what the competition's done in the last year, with thought leadership, we're out in front for a while. Um, you know, if you think of just a hydrogen capable gas turbine, right? We made, um, you know, awful lot of headlines about that, but the competition's been really busy <laughs> in the last year. And I think we're going to be even more focused on not just the gas turbine, but also on, you know, production, storage, supply, really from an end-to-end solutions perspective. And where do we want to play? You know, for our company, we're not going to do it all, right? Uh, but it's really being choiceful about where we want to play in the value chain as we go about delivering solutions to our customers. Oh, that's good. I know, because you just came back. So thank you for providing those updates. It's still fresh, um, but, you know, we're assembling it as we go in very real time. Um, you know, we're... we're fine-tuning, adding, you wouldn't expect huge changes, right? I mean, each year there are some tweaks, but if you did your job right last year, then it's probably going to be pretty close this year, and it's probably evolving based on landscape. Um, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act is new since last year. So there are things that happen in the market that, uh, you know, cause you to adjust the strategy a little bit. I, you know, I wouldn't think we're going to be in for anything crazy this year, but it'll definitely evolve. Yeah. Well, I was strategic too in trying to get you on the podcast that we were fresh yeah, right from yeah. the strategic Time meeting. relevant. <laughs> That's right. So um, I wanted to ask, and switching gears maybe just a little, but 
From a marketing perspective, is there anything that you want to share in terms of energy trends to watch over the next year? Yeah, I think one of the big energy trends is just where's the where's the money flowing? Uh, you have the Inflation Reduction Act, you have the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law. So the government has provided a lot of different funding mechanisms to get the energy transition off the ground. And I think the, the great analogy is just look at solar PV and wind. Look what ITC and PTC did for those technologies. In the beginning, they were very expensive. And everybody looked at them and said, how's that ever going to work? That, that, that's never going to work. But there was enough investment from the federal government in terms of tax incentives. There were enough states that were interested in decarbonizing. There were enough corporations interested in decarbonizing that it just needed a push. I think when we look at you know, hydrogen carbon capture, uh, you know, modular reactors, uh, you know, direct air capture, there's a lot of solutions out there that people are looking at. I think they just need a little bit of push. I think in this next year, it is critical that we find out from the Treasury Department on how the rules are going to work. It's tax code, right? So these are all complicated things. But I think as those work themselves out, um, we'll really be looking for projects that get financing that move through you know, their feed studies and on to something that gets you closer to a financial close a couple years from now, right? But we would really expect to see progress there. Other trends, you know, hydrogen hub funding from the DOE, uh, that's in play as a way of getting you know, hydrogen off the ground. And it's different colors or clean hydrogen defined by how much carbon is associated with it. I would say that's a couple of um, you know, really key trends along with, you know, there's the macro economic environment to think of too. You know, where's inflation going? What's employment like? All those kind of things. Those signs actually look a lot better than they did you know, six months ago. Um, and so as we come out of COVID and recover from all of that, you know, it seems like things are doing pretty well there. But there's an awful lot that's going to happen in the next year on the energy transition side. Cool. Thank you for sharing all of that and your, from your perspective as well. Um, I know we covered a lot. We covered a lot and a lot of great information. Um, is there anything else that you want to mention that we didn't cover uh, whether that includes anything from your recent Utah trip or anything else in general you'd like to share? Yeah, I'll just probably share uh, what it means to be a brand ambassador. Um, like that. From, from a marketing standpoint, you know, we have people that are brand ambassadors. They attend conferences. They attend events. They tend to be on stage. Um, they tend to have some type of a thought leadership message or a solution-focused message for our customers. Uh, as you know, there's a ton of training that goes into being a brand ambassador. We have key messages. Um, a lot of the people have coaches, right, that coach them through either a presentation or being part of a, a roundtable. My message would be that all of our employees are brand ambassadors. Um, everybody that touches a customer certainly is a brand ambassador. It shows up on our net promoter scores that we do every year. We want to measure how we're doing with our customers on both the service side and the new equipment side. That captures everything from the start of the commercial process through the execution of our projects. Everybody who touches a, a customer has the opportunity to be a brand ambassador and build our reputation. Beyond that, even if you're not touching the customer, you're probably touching the supplier. You're probably somewhere in the supply chain. We wanna be our customer's emotional favorite. Frankly, we wanna be our supplier's emotional favorite as well. 
And then if you think of what's the other group of people, probably those who are really touching our employees every day. And we want to be our employees' favorite uh, employer of choice, right? So I think from that standpoint, probably all of our employees have the chance to be a brand ambassador. We have a chance to live our values and let that guide how we treat each other. Um, but that is really the essence of what we do at Mitsubishi Power America is that's how we're judged, right? Is how do we treat each other and how do we treat our customers, suppliers, and, and, and everybody else. So hopefully, um, well, I really think we're on the right track with our values and uh, you know, looking at the numbers for net promoter scores and the other things that we look at. You know, I think our employees are in a pretty good place and, and doing a great job for our customers. Well, that's a perfect way to end. Uh, I couldn't say it better myself. Um, so thank you, Todd, so much for being my guest on the Power Chats podcast. I know you're, you lead a very busy schedule. So again, I appreciate the time that you took out. Sure thing, Christine. It was, it was great being here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer and keep riding those roller coasters. All right, will do. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the Power Chats podcast. If there are things that you want to learn more about or ask about, please send us a comment on Viva Engage, which is formerly known as Yammer. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>